you guys are so privileged this morning where you have a special guest speaker in the place today. Um, she is uh, the best mother I know, the best wife that I know, the best woman of God that I know, and she's even the best preacher that I know. Uh, I tell her we can only let you preach so many times because people will start asking you to replace me. And I spent first service in V-Kids, so I'm learning that that's where I'm going from now on. But hey, would you do me a favor? Would you put your hands together for my wife and the speaker today, Darla Powell. Wow, thank you for that introduction, honey. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, everybody. I am so thrilled and excited to be in this position, and I don't take it lightly. Um, I say this every year to my husband as I'm you know, preparing for the word, uh, the message that I'm going to preach, and I'm like, I don't know how you do it. Like every single week, you do it time and time again, and he, and he makes it look so easy and so flawless, and I'm just like, hun, good for you. <laughs> Once or twice a year, I'm good. I've hit my quota, and that's okay, but it, it is. It is a lot. A lot goes into this, and he makes it look so easy. So church, can we just give our pastor the love and support that he deserves because, babe, yeah, you make it look really good and really easy, so... Again, happy Mother's Day. Um, my mama's in the house, so I get to give her a special shout out. Happy Mother's Day, mama. Love you. <laughs> um, while today is so full of joy and, and love and, and the, what a great occasion with baby dedications and everything, I want to take a moment just to let you know that I understand that this is also a hard day for a lot of you because maybe your mom's not with you. And maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you're still waiting on motherhood. And I want you to know that you're in the right place, that the Holy Spirit is here and he sees you and he has a word for you today. Amen, church. Amen. We've been in a series called Following Jesus, and I got the recipe. <laughs> so week one, Pastor Troy talked about the importance of spending time with Jesus. And then he followed that with spending time in the B-I-B-L-E. And how all of scripture is connected, is, is centered around Jesus. And last week, we learned about the important role that the Holy Spirit plays in following Jesus. Well, right in line with that, the Lord has given me a word today, and it's centered around our assignment. God follows a pattern throughout the Bible when he gives someone an assignment, and it's a recipe, if you will, that's really helpful for us today as his disciples for us to carry out our own assignments. And it's a simple recipe too, only three steps. Can I get a hallelujah for simple recipes? Whenever I look up on Pinterest and I'm looking for a recipe, I'm looking for the word simple and easy. Only three ingredients? Yes, sign me up. I'm ready. So that's our recipe that we're going to follow today. Um, we're going to be um, reading out of Luke 9 to start, and then we're going to go into some other scripture as well. Um, but I want to start and just have you guys pray with me. Father, I love you so, so much, and I'm so grateful to be in this position today, Father, that you have allowed me to be in, and I don't take it lightly, Father. I know that, that you've called me and you've given me a word, God. You've spoken this word to me so that I can speak it to victory, and I'm so thankful, God. I want you to get all the glory and all the praise, and I don't want to say anything you don't want me to say, and so, Father, I stand behind the cross and I just step into the anointing of your Holy Spirit, God, and know that everyone who's here today is here for a reason. And God, you brought them here today to hear a word that you have. So God, 
May every single thing that I say be anointed and touched by you and let your Holy Spirit carry it and let it land on the hearts of your people today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And Victory Church, said aloud. Amen. Amen. Y'all got to talk to me today now, okay? Y'all got to talk back to me. Thank you, Mama. <laughs> so we're going to start in Luke 9 when Jesus called his disciples. Luke 9, 1 and 2. It says, one day Jesus called together his 12 disciples. Somebody say he called. And gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Somebody say, he gave. Yes. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Somebody say, he sent. Yes. That's it. That's the recipe. He calls us. He equips us. He sent us. You're welcome. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Just kidding. I wish it was that simple, right? I wish it was that simple to follow Jesus. Wouldn't that be nice? One, two, three, wham, bam, we're good to go. But... There's a little bit more to the story. Now, Mother's Day makes me get a little sentimental, and I started thinking about when my kids were, like, really little. For those of you who don't know, we have two daughters, 13 and 8. Pray for me. Huh. So I started thinking about my youngest, Casey Ray, and when she lost her first tooth. Oh, my goodness. This was such a big deal, right? Because she had seen big sis lose all her teeth and all the excitement that goes around it. And what happens when we lose our first tooth? What happens when we lose a tooth? The tooth fairy comes, right? I have a picture to show you of when Casey Ray lost her first tooth. This is a big deal, you guys. That thing wiggled for months and months. We never thought it was going to fall out. And then finally, 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 we got to pluck that thing out. And she was so excited. Now, this was a, a night like no other because normally... Bedtime takes forever. You know how it is. One more story, Mommy. One more song. I'm thirsty. I'm cold. I'm hot. I need all the things. But not tonight. Casey Ray was so excited for the tooth fairy to come that she shot straight in bed, put that tooth under the pillow, and closed her eyes. And every few minutes, she would look up under the pillow and make sure, did she come, did she come yet? But she knew. She was so excited the tooth fairy was going to come and trade that tooth for a treasure. Well, of course, we wanted to give her, you know, a, a while to get good and asleep so that she didn't hear the tooth fairy sneak in her room. And so we go on about our evening and we're, you know, getting ready for bed and watching TV or whatever. And time goes by and it slips our minds. And then I'm like literally like falling asleep. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, the tooth fairy, Troy, go be the tooth fairy. <laughs> so he's like, okay, 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 I got it. I got it. I'll take care of it. So he goes up tiptoes up the stairs, and he's the tooth fairy, takes care of it. Okay, all's good. All's right with the world. So the next morning comes, I hear Casey Ray thud out of bed and trample down the stairs, and she's so excited. She's like, Mom, the tooth fairy came. Guess what she gave me? And I'm like, what did she give you? And she pulls her hand out from behind her back and opens her hand, and it's a $5 bill. <laughs> I'm sorry. Since when did we start giving out bills? <laughs> what is the tooth fairy doing? <laughs> I need to get that side hustle. And so my husband is asleep because we take turns taking the kids to school, but I got a right mind to walk up in there and be like, what you doing handing out $5 bills? They gone. But I'm like, oh, that's so exciting, honey. The tooth fairy must really love you. Wow. Setting the bar high on that first tooth. And so we end up, you know, I'll let her get ready for school. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk to this man about the tooth fairy. Um, because when I grew up, we got coins, you know what I mean? Nickels and dimes and only got quarters for the two front teeth. That's when that was like the big money. And so later on that day, we were chatting and I was like, what's up, Tooth Fairy? You rolling like that? You big spending like that? And he's like, babe, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Last night when we almost forgot about the Tooth Fairy, I, I was scrounging around, couldn't find any, any change. But I remembered last month it was Casey Ray's birthday 
and your granny sent her a birthday card with a little bit of money inside. You see where this is going. So I took that $5 bill out, put my rings on, carried it right up. I was the tooth fairy. I was like, I had some swag. I got a $5 bill up in here. Puts it under her pillow, and that's how she got $5. Now listen, I couldn't be mad at him. That's good financial stewardship right there. <laughs> Dave Ramsey would be so proud of us. I couldn't be mad. I could not be mad at him. But what I, what I witnessed that morning was Casey Ray be so excited for a treasure that was already hers. So I came here to tell you today that there's a treasure on the inside of you that God's given you. Shut up in your bones. Maybe you need to be reminded of it. Maybe you forgot you had it. But there's a treasure inside of you that if you will pull it out of that envelope and give it to the Lord, he will do immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine. And it's your assignment. We're going to look at a story in the Bible, one of my favorite stories, and it's Esther. One of my favorite women. I got the privilege to lead a small group uh, this, this semester, and we studied women of the Bible. Ooh, let me tell you, I am going to preach some more because y'all need to hear about these women. Some of them shady, some of them ratchet. My, I can relate. I can relate to y'all. Um, so we're going to talk about Esther, one of my absolute favorites. And so we're going to look at her assignment and how God used what was already inside of her to have eternal significance for the kingdom. Every single one of us has an assignment. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have an assignment. Now, when I say assignment or calling, I can already hear people disqualifying themselves, right? Like, God hadn't called me to do anything. He hadn't called me to lead a ministry. He hadn't called me to do anything. No, listen, every one of us has been given an assignment. What's the greatest commandment that God gives us? Love God and love people. That's your assignment. If God has not given you any other calling or assignment, that is it. And every, everything else that God calls you to do will always fall under that umbrella of loving God and loving people. Well, I feel like God's called me to do this. I feel like God's called me to do that. Can you love God and love people doing it? Great. That needs to be your filter. That needs to be your question. God will give different people different assignments. But where are you? Just ask yourself, what do I do every day? That's where I carry out my assignment. Whether you're at home with your little ankle biter disciples, as I like to call them, your children are your built-in disciples. They're your assignment. They're the other people that you're called to love. Your coworkers, your friends, your family, the people that you, that you work with, the people that you talk to every, every single day, that's your assignment. Can you love God and love people in your everyday life? That's it. So you're not disqualified. Every single one of us have an assignment. The, the question isn't how, uh, uh, the question isn't, do you have an assignment? It's how are you handling your assignment? So step number one in our recipe is he calls us. Troy and I got the opportunity to go to a conference in Birmingham, and Chris Hodges is a lead pastor there in, at Highlands, and he was talking about his calling, and he said, my calling was the moment when the Lord of the harvest invited me to give up my plan to participate in his plan. Amen. So that's what we're going to see. So a quick overview of Esther, okay? Really quick overview because it's so good. It's so rich. It's so deep. I really encourage you to go read it if you haven't or reread it if you have. So Esther is a Jew, okay? She's been raised by her cousin Mordecai, and he's taken great care of her and loved her, and she gets the opportunity to be queen. Um, and so she marries the king, and she does not tell him that she's a Jew. So the king has this right-hand man named Haman, and he's a turd. He loves himself, and he loves the position that he's in because he gets all this 
honor and people bow down to him and everything, everything except for Mordecai. Esther's cousin Mordecai is a Jew, so he bows down to the Lord. So he refuses to bow down to Haman when he demands that he does it. So Haman gets his panties in a wad, and he goes to the king and says, hey, you know what you should do? There's some Jews out there who aren't, uh, aren't honoring the king, meaning himself. And he convinces the king to write a decree to kill all the Jews. So this is what happens. Again, remember, this is Esther's people, but they don't know that. They don't know that Esther is a Jew. So Mordecai hears about this, Esther's cousin, and he is, of course, devastated. He goes into full-on mourning. Esther hears about this and is like, oh, my goodness, what's wrong? Because, you know, what happened? And so he explains it to her what happened. Like, your husband, the king, has put out a decree to kill your people, to kill our people. We need you to do something about it. You're on the inside. You got his ear. Go to war for us. Go to battle. Now's the time to play that card. I'm giving you permission. Let him know who you are. And she's like, uh, hang on a second. Let's catch up with her in Esther 4. She says, then Esther told Hathach, her servant, to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless he holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him in 30 days. So Hathach gave Esther, Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai said this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. He was giving her a little bit of tough love here. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Okay? Esther's been given her assignment. But what's her first response? Sounds a little bit like us. Um... <laughs> I don't think you understand the situation. Let me tell you about it. See, me and my husband hadn't seen each other in a minute. I can't just like rock up in the palace and be like, hey, king, how you doing? And like make a request. That's not how it was. Customarily, she, she, he could have killed her. He really could have had she gone in uninvited. So she was like at first, Mark, I don't think you understand. And then he came back and said, I don't think you understand. You can excuse yourself from this assignment, but guess what's going to happen? You're also going to excuse yourself from the blessing because you will not be a part of this saving that's going to happen. God will provide, but you won't be part of it, sis. So she gets it. She understands, and she accepts that assignment. Friends, your calling has a competitor, and it's comfort. Esther was real comfortable up in that palace, right? She didn't want to make the sacrifice. You know, our calling comes with a cost. Sometimes it costs us sleep, time, money, resources, vulnerability, pride. Our calling has a cost. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to forfeit a chance to partner with eternity because I'm comfortable. And neither did Esther. Look what she says. Once she accepts her assignment in Esther 4.15, she says, Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast. For me, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And even though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. She was resolved. She had made up her mind. She was hesitant at first, but she understood the cost of her calling, and she was willing to step out. She reached out to her people and asked them to fast 
and pray with her. What a response. Instead of panicking while contemplating an action that could end her life, she started by laying a foundation of faith. When you have an overwhelming assignment you're facing, do you panic or do you pray? I do both. <laughs> if I'm honest, I do. Sometimes I panic, but that causes me to pray, right? Because I know I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it in my own might. God, I need you. And Esther knew that this calling was too big for her to, to go in her own strength. So something really cool happens when we pray instead of panic. And it's step two in our recipe. He equips us. When we pray instead of panic, it gives God the opportunity to prepare and equip us for the assignment. The Bible says when he called the disciples, um, he gave them power and authority. The thing he was calling them to do, he was simultaneously equipping them to do with supernatural power to be able to accomplish it. So this is good news for anybody who feels like you have a dream that's way over your head that you've been called to do something you don't have the money for, you don't have the time for, you don't have the patience for, you don't have the connections for, this is good news. Because if you'll pray, if you'll give God that space and that time, he will make a way. He will make a way that's not even possible in the natural. He will put his super with your natural and start giving you connections, relationships, resources, and you have no idea where they're coming from. Why? Because he wants the glory. And we get to step into that when we take time to pray instead of panic. This is amazing. The great thing about our God is that he doesn't ask for your resume before he gives you an assignment. He doesn't call people who are already equipped. He calls you, and for the people that say yes, he equips you with exactly what you need for the, for the calling. Fun fact, Troy and I weren't just sitting around bored one day thinking like, oh, you know what we should do? We should sell our house and pick up our kids and move three hours away from our family and friends and plant a church from scratch with no money and no experience. Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> Woo! Well, we did a version of that, but we fasted and we prayed a lot. But the equipping didn't happen until we said yes. We were saying yes to the unknown, y'all. We didn't know you. We didn't know you would be here. We didn't know you would show up. Y'all, we were so nervous that first Sunday. We were like, please, Lord, just one. Just let one person come through the door. And look what he's done, right? He's so faithful. But we had to step out in faith. We had, we had to go like, we can't panic. God's called us to do this. I know he's called us to do that, to do this. So we were able to step out. And he was able to equip us. And we created that room. We created that space. Calling is always accompanied with the grace to do it. When Esther asked her people to fast and pray, she was giving the Lord time and room to equip her for the assignment of the saving of her people. It's obvious she spent time with the Lord because of the plan she came up with. God gave her so much favor in this situation, y'all. It is insane. So what she does is, remember, she has not seen her husband for 30 days. I don't know about you, but if I ain't seen my husband for 30 days and I got a big thing to ask him, Honey, I'm going to look good when I see him, okay? So don't you know she was putting on her best robes, her best perfume? And no, she can't go in. She can't go in his court unless she's summoned, right? So what do you think she did? She strut, she strut in front of that open door with her little queen walk, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just hoping she would catch his eye. And she did. It's exactly what happened. She caught her, he caught her eye. She caught his eye. 
called her in to his palace and said, whatever, make your request, whatever you want, up to half the kingdom. She must have looked real good. <laughs> up to half the kingdom, make your request. So she said, I want to throw you a banquet. I just want to have a party in honor of you. And this, of course, stroked his ego. And so he was like, great, let's do it. And she also made sure that Haman, the little turd nugget, was there because he's the whole reason they're in this mess, right? Remember, he's the one who convinced the king to write that decree to kill all the Jews. So she made sure, I want Haman to be there too. He can be my guest of honor. And so she put on a banquet. Now, here's what's interesting is that she doesn't make the request right then and there. You think like, well, that's the time. You got his attention. He stroked his ego a little bit. He's primed and ready. No, 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 no. And this is where, this is where the strategy comes in. God's given her favor because she didn't die in, in approaching her husband, the king. She throws him a banquet, and then the strategy comes. I thought, why? She throws him two banquets, one after the other. Why? Why does she do that? Remember, she, they hadn't seen each other for 30 days. She needs to warm him up a little bit, right? Don't you know that God gave her that idea when she was fasting and praying? Like, hey, don't jump the gun. Don't do it too soon. Wait a minute. Wait for the right time. I'm going to let you know when. So she said, he said, make your request up to half the kingdom. He said, she said, I want to throw you another banquet. Don't you know that made him feel so good? And Haman's over there going like, hey, yeah, I'm going to come to another party. You know, he, they're, they're both so excited. So she throws him another banquet and that is when she makes the big ask. And this leads us to our third and final step in our recipe, which is he sends us. Now, let me just make a little note here. He's the one that does the sending. Resist the urge to send yourself. Remember, he waited. she waited on God's timing, right? Timing is everything. Don't try to step out too soon before he's finished prepping you. Because he's fortifying your bones. He's giving you strength, okay? So he's trying to make sure you're strong enough to carry the weight of your calling. Resist the urge to step out into the spotlight that he's called you to before it's time. Because if that spotlight hits you and you have no character, it will burn you to a crisp. Let him send you. Because Esther fasted and prayed and let God equip her, she was ready. And God made a way and her people were saved because she followed the recipe. She accepted the calling. She let him equip her, and she went on her way. Now, after the recipe, after Jesus has called the disciples, he gave them power and sent them out, they came back from their assignment to give an account for what they had done, and they were tired. Anybody tired after a long season, after a long calling, after a long assignment? You're just worn out. You're exhausted. Look what it says in Mark 6. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He saw how tired they were and offered rest. There are many days that we want to quit, right? But God's call on your life will sustain you in the darkest days. If he's the one who's called you, he will sustain you. No, I love how Jesus responds. He doesn't respond like, suck it up, buttercup. Come on, we got ministry to do. There's people out there that need to be healed. There's people out there that need to be saved. We got work to do. No, he recognizes their exhaustion. And he says, let's go off to a quiet place and rest a while. 
The cure for your exhaustion is intimacy with Jesus. Now, wouldn't it be nice if we could just go on a little getaway every time we're exhausted and feeling worn out? Wouldn't that be nice, moms? Let me talk to you for a minute. <laughs> In the Bible, we often read about men retreating up to the mountainside or the hillside to commune with the Lord. It sounds so glorious. Yet we rarely read about women going to the mountains. Why is that? Well, because the women are the ones who are busy keeping life going back at the homestead, right? They couldn't abandon children and meals, homes, fires, gardens, and a thousand other responsibilities to make the climb into the mountains. Do you ever feel like you're not quite free enough or in a quiet enough space to have that time with the Lord? I know I do. Along with Esther, I got to learn about a lot of other women in this study that we did for small group. And something really profound that I learned regarding women um, is that God always came to them. Jesus met Martha in the kitchen. God met Hagar while she was running away from a toxic relationship. Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well while she was drawing water on the go in the middle of her day. Jesus has met me on my staircase after a bedtime battle. Jesus has met me walking around my neighborhood after having an argument with my teenager. Hot tears strolling. <laughs> my neighbor's probably like, what's wrong with her? She walking around here again crying? Dang. <laughs> but Jesus meets us on the job, in the middle of our responsibilities, in the middle of our tragedy, and he provides what we need right there. Yeah, get away if you can. But also know that God meets us, women, right where we are, right in the middle of our mess. One of my favorite women that we studied was Hagar. And I love her story so much because she truly was in the middle of a really hard assignment. So she was Sarah's servant. Abraham and Sarah, patriarch, matriarch of the Bible, in the lineage of Jesus. And Hagar was her servant. Sarah couldn't have kids. This was a big, big deal back then still a big deal today. But back then, having descendants, having lots of children was your identity. Boy, that made you who you were in society, you know, in the community. If you couldn't have kids, you really weren't a woman. So Sarah was upset about this. And so she, instead of waiting on God, she took matters into her own hands and she told her husband to sleep with her servant and said, if I can't give you kids, at least she can. So there, I fixed it. So she thought. We're going to catch up with this story in Genesis 16. It says, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abram, <laughs> this is great, this is all your fault. I put my servant in your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. She got a little sassy. She told him to do it. Y'all remember that, right? Sound familiar for anybody? Abraham replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angels of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angels of the Lord said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? 
I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Now notice that God did not fix her problem. He actually told her to go back. Your assignment's not done. I know it's hard. I know it's heavy. I know it's overwhelming. And you feel like you can't take another second. But I need you to go back. But look what he did. He spoke to her identity. He said, I will give you more descendants than you can count. Remember, back then, having lots of children made you who you were as a woman. So God not only showed up and met her there, he spoke to her identity. He affirmed her, which gave her a new purpose to get back to work, to go back to her assignment, but with a different identity and a different mindset. Look what Hagar says as a response to the angel of the Lord. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Bir Laharoi, which means well of the living one who sees me. Hagar was the first one to give God a name. She was the first person to give God a name. How special, how special that place must be for her. She was done. I am, I can't do it. Checked out. Count me out. I'm done. And God met her there in her desperation. Anybody in here just in a desperate place? And you're like, I'm done. I'm there. I'm done, God. He's here to remind you today. He sees you. He's with you. And he will provide what you need in that moment. Will you stand with me really quick, church? This isn't actually the end of Hagar's story. She goes back. She does what the angel of the Lord says. She goes back to her assignment. But guess what? Guess what doesn't happen? The problem's not fixed. Sarah ends up having children, but she treats Hagar the same. She can't let it go. Her pride and everything keeps her holding Hagar in contempt. It got so bad where she finally told her husband, I want you to cast them out. Kick them out of the family. I cannot have my son and her son raised and get the same inheritance. I can't do it. So they kick her out with her son. Send them packing. Pack them a bag. Pack them a little bit of food and water. And they get going. Her assignment did not get any easier. She's out. She's outcast. Her and her son are dying from starvation and dehydration. The Bible says that she finally puts her son under a bush in the shade and walks away because she doesn't want to watch him die. That's how desperate her situation was. Guess what happens? Hmm. Look in Genesis 21. But God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lays there. Go to him and comfort him. 
for he will for I will make a great nation from his descendants then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water she quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink where did God meet Hagar the first time she ran away by a spring of water she, what did she name that well the God who sees me and God met her again and made her eyes to see another well of water saying I still see you I still see you I know it's not getting any easier I know the burden is still heavy I know the assignment is still hard but I still see you I'm still the God who sees I'm still the God who hears you every single time you utter my name I'm right there in your presence I still see you still see you my daughter still see you my son never left you and I never will will you close your eyes with me I know there are so many of you today who relate just like I do to Hagar and like God sometimes I'm just done sometimes I just need a rest sometimes I just need to get away but God's here to tell you in the middle of your assignment in the middle of your calling I am there I'm with you I see you and I will provide the living water that you need to sustain you in your calling I'm here if that's you will you just reach out your hands just right in front of you just as a symbol of saying I receive the rest I receive what God has for me I receive you see me God and I feel seen and I see the one who sees me and God yes this burden is so heavy and this assignment is hard but you called me to it and if you called me to it I'm not gonna quit I'm going to continue making space and making room for you to equip me for the challenge. So God, I'm here at the well again because I know you'll meet me here right in the middle of what I'm doing. Give me strength. Give me patience. Give me things that I don't even know that I need for the assignment that you've called me to. Thank you, Jesus. Let's spend the next few moments allowing Jesus to fill that well. Thank you, God, for calling us. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.